0: get my microphone on, and I said, it's going to be casual sa- Sunday. <laughs> as, I, as I heard the song, and I know that song, and it's starting to come down, and I'm like, oh, I got to get it going. <laughs> Good morning, Word of Life Church. Good morning. Happy Father's Day to everyone who's a father, and um, and all that good stuff. If you're, if you're a dad and you're, you're saying, hey, I mean, I love this day. Like Father's, Father's Day is a neat opportunity. I love, um, I love my dad. So, dad, if you're watching, I love you. Um, and, um, and, and, and dad, you know, not everybody has the same experience with their dads. I get that. Um, you know, my dad was one of my best friends. He's the best man in my wedding, and uh, and I've had just this incredible privilege of being fathered by him, and I love it. And and yet at the same time, I also recognize not everybody has that experience. And and yet, in, no matter you know what our relationship has been like with our father, we have a heavenly father who has adopted us into his family. And we have this massive privilege of calling the God of the universe, Almighty God, Heavenly Father, not because of what family we were born into or our relationship with anyone other than that he says in the beginning of John that, that to everyone he gave who believes in him, he gave the right to be called the children of God. And as as you are believing in God, if you're believing in Jesus Christ and the salvation that He freely gives you, He gives you the right to be called His child. I love love getting to be a dad. Um, I love getting to be a dad and a a pastor. And one of the reasons why (laughs) is because... Um, I think every church that I have um, that I've had the opportunity to serve has given me a ton of freedom, and just said, "Look, you can be involved in the community any way you want." And so, with that freedom, has come the uh, the opportunity for me to get to go to, like. Every single, like, field trip with, with school. I got to hang out in classrooms. I've made, I've made pancakes, you know, in classrooms. I've been on these field trips all over the place. My favorite field trip ever um, was with uh, my kids as they were in Iowa. They, some, I'll just say crazy teacher, you know, I'm not saying all teachers are crazy. I know some teachers who are semi-sane. You know, <laughs> you got it. <laughs> some crazy teacher decided that they were going to take an entire grade spelunking. Yeah, for real. Like the whole grade. We're talking like busloads of kids like showing up and, you know, and, and, and diving deep into caves. And I'm like, oh, I am in them. A- that. That sounds like a great adventure. And so we're in Iowa. We're taking a couple of, you know, a couple of buses, and we, we pull up to some farm. And I'm like, what is going on here? And there are cows everywhere, and, you know, dairy farm, this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, this does not look like a cave. And, are you sure? This isn't like, you know, some other kind of field trip that I didn't know about. And so they're like, no, 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 it's fine. We walk through this pasture. We go up over this hill. We come down the other hill. We get into this other pasture where the, you know, the guide is. And, you know, we've all got these awesome helmets on and, you know, and, and little, you know, like little uh, lights up on top of the helmet. Um, and, and I'm just looking around this bright, beautiful, bright, shiny field. And I'm like, again. Are you sure you know what spelunking is? Maybe you've spelled it wrong. And um, and, and as we're doing this, this whole entire thing, you know, and we're standing in front of this, you know, kind of hillside, basically, down at the bottom of the hill, like right way down there is like what looks like to me like a badger hole. and that's the cave entrance, and I'm like, whoo, it is about to get exciting here, and there was like teachers moving away from me, there was parents who are moving to the back of the line, like we do not want to be associated with whatever kind of craziness he's going to get us into, and you know, and there were teachers who were like, nope, I'm not doing it, I thought I could do it, can't do that, can't do that, you know, and there were definitely some parents who were like, oh, here, Take my kid, <laughs> and uh, I don't know. Well, actually, um, when they're ready, they've got a, they've got a fun picture of of Cat and I uh, doing this. And so, like Cat and I, we've got the, like the helmets and the, like the you know the lantern thing and everything else. And um, we're looking at this big old cave, and you have to like literally like slide in on your belly and like kind of do like a, a weird like. Like really low army crawl, a little. Sh- I, I, I hate to say the word shimmy, you know. <laughs> but okay, let's go shimmy, you know. And you know, and you're like sliding in. You have to wear clothes that you don't ever want to wear again because you're going to be spending the day climbing around in bat crap, um, and you know bat poo, and, and it just and it gets everywhere. Really, it's it's kind of funky. And, um, you know, you slide on in, and as soon as you slide through this hole and come out the other side, it really opens up into like this massive cavern and there's all these like little passages all over the place just like kind of diving in there and they all have really cool names like dragon's tooth and birth canal (laughs) in which I got stuck (laughs) and then as an act of God's comedy someone had to pull me out of the birth canal and I was like this is hilarious uncomfortable, but hilarious. (laughs) Ah, I was just the whole day, the whole rest of the day, I was looking for, you know, like opportunities to point people to John, (laughs) John chapter three and talk about being born again. Um, the the whole day. And so I was, I was, we're in this big cave and there's, again, there's like over a hundred kids in this cave and there's, you know, like teachers and, and everything else. And you're like, man, that's a lot of people for a cave. Um, we, we're getting in there and we're getting all comfortable. And, and, and then the guide says to me and another guy much larger than me, hey, can you guys sit in front of the hole of the cave? And they're like, okay. And so we, we just move over and sit in front of this hole. And it wasn't all that big of a hole to begin with. But, you know, then, you know, like blocking even just the... Because the, the hole was weird because it went down and then like kind of up. And so there wasn't a ton of light. But as soon as you sat in front of that, you know, that hole, the entrance to the cave, it got really dark. And then the guide told everyone... To turn off their headlamps. One by one, all those lamps were going out, and it got darker and darker and darker until every lamp is out. And all you can hear is like the uncomfortable like shuffling of people like, this is weird, you know, and a little something from a bat, you know, up a little higher, a little squeaky squeaky uh, because the, I think the bat thought also, this is weird, you know, and, um, and it just, it was so dark I could not see my hand in front of my own face, like that kind of dark, and these, these caverns, they went all through, all over the place, under, underground, and, they, and there was like slides in which like you were like, you could like run and like jump and slide in mud and whatever else was there, you know, and, and it was just absolutely awesome. It was such a, it was just an amazing experience to be in this deep, dark, Cave. Not all of you will think that. <laughs> but a cave can be a place where you can hide. It can also be a place of protection and refuge, especially if somebody's chasing you down. I don't know if you've ever heard of um, you know, King David. Has anybody ever, you know, do you guys know, know about King David? Yes? <laughs> Nils is like, yeah, we know about King David. Guy, like, hey, you know what? Not everybody knows, you know, and that's okay. You know, everybody's in a different place on your way of getting to know the scriptures and everything else. King David was the second king to be anointed uh, over, over God's people, Israel. The first king to be anointed was Saul. And this is kind of how what happened. At, you know, I thought that since we had plenty of time today that I would just kind of cover the entire life of Saul and David. Is that cool? I'm just kidding. (laughs) You see, God's people had never had a king before uh, because God had always been their ruler and leader. And that, you know, things went well and they took over the land, the promised land, and they came up on in, and they had leaders and everything else and prophets who were were anointed to to share God's word with God's people. But, you know, as things wore on, here's what ended up happening is, is Israel said, no, 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 we want a king. We want to be just like our neighbors. All of the other nations, they've got king. Why can't we have one? I know you've never, ever done or heard anything like that. Just other families. And as, you know, and and as they're going through this thing, the prophet Samuel says, you don't want a king. I'm telling you, you don't want a king. And they're like, yes, we do. And so God allowed for Saul to be anointed king. But Saul had a problem that plagued him. It started before he was king, and it continued into his kingship. He was really terrified what, about what people thought of him. He was so scared about what everyone thought about him. And it was that fear that caused him to do some really not good things. Sometimes it was just, you know, him hiding by the luggage cart instead of being in battle. But other times, the fear of what other people thought caused him to reject God and disobey God's ways. And as it continued, as Saul's rejection of God continued over and over and over again, God told Saul that he was going to anoint another. And so God sent his prophet Samuel uh, to a family for uh, an anointing party. And it's kind of like a, a barbecue with a worship service, which is awesome. Like that's a great idea. I think we'll do that in September, um, right out here. Uh, and so yeah, um, it's a, it's a barbecue with with worship, and, and in the midst of this, they're going to anoint the next king of God's people, the next king of Israel. And uh, and so you know the prophet Samuel goes to the first son, and man, he like he like big, strong-looking dude, and you're like, oh, this has to be. The guy and he's like no, and he goes to the next son. And he's like this has to be the guy. He looks bigger and stronger than this big brother, you know. And they're like no, that's not the guy. And they go all the way down the line. Is this the guy? God says no. Is this the guy? God says no. Is this the guy? God says no. You get to the end of all of this guy's sons, and he's like, and God said it was one of your sons. Are you missing one? And the father says, well, yeah, I mean, there's the youngest kid. I'm like, he's out with the sheep. He's a shepherd. The prophet Samuel says, we are not having lunch until that kid gets here. And sure enough, they did not start that party. They didn't start the worship. They didn't start the barbecue until somebody ran all the way out to go get David and brought David all the way back. And it says that his appearance was ruddy, that he was red. And I don't know if that's just because he ran all the way in and he's like a red face and he's like, I'm here, you know, or if he had like red hair, we're not sure. I'm not sure. But we do know this, that David got there and he's just a kid. And God told Samuel, that's the one. That's the next king over Israel. He's the one who's going to rule over my people. Because he's a a man after God's own heart. That's who King David is. That doesn't mean that he's perfect. He is really, really not perfect. And he did some really, really not perfect things. Being a man after God's own heart doesn't mean that he he did everything right. It means that he loves what God loves and hates what God hates, which is sin, even his own. Yes, King David hated even his own sin. Once he finally figured out what it was. David has some awesome stuff and you you know and I could go through the entire you know lineage of David and his his lifetime and all of the greatest hits like you know like like David and Goliath that's a that's that is definitely one of David's greatest hits i mean everybody loves that story there's all sorts of great stories um you know because y- you know like David was the one who was anointed to be king and um and so what ended up happening is, you know, Saul was the king, Saul was rejecting God, David was anointed as the next king, and, and so as a, as a kid, you know, uh, Saul had, had David come and play, you see, because in the midst of this whole process of, of Saul rejecting God, God removed his spirit from him, and he turned from afraid of what everybody thought, to being scary angry. He'd throw things at his family and at his friends. And the only thing that would, you know, including spears, and the only thing that would calm down his angry rage is that they called upon David to come and sing and play the guitar. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a shepherd. He's anointed as the next king. He's also a singer-songwriter, like, awesome, <laughs> you know? And and, you know, and he, he's playing guitar, And then, but the, the rage of Saul was so much that even that wouldn't stop Saul from just chucking spears at David in the middle of a song. It's one thing to get tomatoes thrown at you. It's something completely different to get spears thrown at you. Saul continued to get more and more angry, more jealous of David. David became an amazing warrior. David even, um, you know, asked for Saul's daughter's hand in marriage, and it was a match made in something. Um, And it just got worse and worse until the point where Saul... Gathered up an army to chase David through the hillside in the wilderness. Three thousand chosen soldiers chasing after David and like forty dudes, like you know, sometimes into the hundreds. It's kind of the numbers varied. You know, when you're running around, you know, scared for your life, the numbers have a tendency to go up and down a little bit, kind of like church, you know, you never know who's going to be here on one Sunday versus the next. It's okay. One day, um, everything got so scary because... The, Saul's army w- thought that they had David pinned down. David was on the backside of a mountain and Saul and, and 3,000 soldiers came around the front side and they're like, oh, we got him. And David's on the backside and he's like, he's got nowhere to go, nowhere to hide. And, but he trusted God, that God would save him, that God would be his refuge. And sure enough, just as Saul's about to find David, he gets a messenger. Uh-oh, the Philistines are attacking again. And he has to cruise all the way back and handle the Philistine you know, raid and then come back. And, and by the time he comes back, we find David in a cave with the men who are following him. Deep, dark into that cave. And what do you know? What do you know? Who doesn't stop by that cave? Except for Saul. And you wouldn't believe what Saul was doing. So I'm going to read it from the Bible so you don't think that Pastor Jay is making it up. Because you were like, I don't know, Pastor Jay, that seems like a stretch. No, 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 it's not. I'm telling you. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn with me to 1 Samuel 24. If not, it's going to be right up here. And I'm just going to read like the first like seven verses or something like that. When Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En And then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all of Israel, and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goat's rock. What a cool place that must have been, wild goat rock, you know? And, and he came to the sheepfold, by the way, where there was a cave, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Yeah. So picture this. Saul's been David all over the place, can't get him, finally, you know, like, he's like, I know David's in the area somewhere, David and all of his guys are hiding in the cave, probably had to, like, go through, like, birth canal to get into the back or something like that, who knows, and and sure enough, Saul has to go potty, and so he goes into the same cave, and as Saul is going poo, David sees him. This is what happens. Now David and all his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. And the men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Then David got up and stealthily, that means he sneaked up, you know, Like, went full-on ninja mode. Stealthily went up and cut the corner of Saul's robe. Afterwards, David's heart struck him. That's verse 5. Not in a good way. David's heart struck him. Cut to the heart. He knew what he did was wrong. All he didn't even kill the guy. All he did was cut the corner off his shirt because he had cut the corner off of Saul's robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Lord, Yahweh The God who saves our God, the Lord forbid that I should do anything, that I should do this thing to my Lord, little L-O-R-D, that little Lord would be King Saul, the one who God had anointed and placed in charge of his people. And so basically what he is saying is, the Lord forbid, God forbid that I do anything to harm my little Lord, King Saul. Because he's the Lord's anointed to put out my hand against him, seeing that he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave And went on his way. As as David thought back on this time, remember he's a singer-songwriter. He wrote Psalm 57 as he remembered the times when he was in that cave. You see. Caves can be a hiding place, like they were for David, a place of protection and refuge. And that day, that cave was both a place of protection and refuge for David, who was being hunted down to be killed, but also it it turned into a place of protection and refuge for the one who wanted to kill him. Yes, David was in a place of refuge in that cave. But so was Saul. Because the Lord protected Saul's life that day too. Psalm 57. With all that in the back of your mind. Reading in Jesus' name, because it's God's word, not mine to the choir master, according to the do not destroy, a Amitkam of David, when he fled from Saul in the cave. Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storm of destruction passes by. I cry out to God most high, To God who fulfills his purpose for me, he will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me, Selah. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts, the children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. Selah. My heart is steadfast, O God. Here ends the reading of God's Word. As David is being chased down and attacked. As Saul is trying to take his life. As he's outnumbered by his fellow countrymen who are chasing him down. As he hides in the cave. For protection. Where does David go for refuge? He goes to God. He didn't write a song about the cave. He's like, oh, this is such a great cave. It's so dark and mysterious. David's not praising the cave, David's praising God because he knows that God is the one who saves him, not the cave. God could use a cave. He knows that he's done something wrong. People only cry out for mercy. Mercy is uh, when you ask, is that whole posture of saying, please don't give me the punishment that I deserve. That's mercy. Cry out for mercy when they know that they've done something wrong. And in his, and his guilt over even just cutting the corner of Saul's robe off, he writes this song and says, Oh Lord, have mercy on me, be merciful. For in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge, the place of protection is in Him, in God. And that's why throughout the New Testament, it talks about our posture as believers in Jesus Christ as being in Christ, that in Christ is our refuge, in Christ is our hiding place, in Christ is is a place that, that we go to for safety and security, for salvation, in Christ, It's in Christ that we go for refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. He says, I cry out to God the Most High, God who fills his purpose for me, and he will send from heaven. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. He says, God will send from heaven his steadfast love and his faithfulness. His steadfast love, his hesed, his loving kindness that can't be moved, that can't be taken away, that can't be shaken in his faithfulness the one who promises to save god's going to send it because he's under attack my soul is in the midst of lions it's not just a physical attack that he's facing it's spiritual you been there You've been in that place where it feels like your, your very soul is under attack? That's where David was. It's not just his, his soul, though, I, you know, he, he's feeling like he's lying down among fiery beasts, and you know, that sounds pretty demonic. But not just that, the children of men, that's the, his, the people around him, right? It is other people are saying things, their teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swor- swords. Have you ever been made fun of? Have you ever been mocked? Has someone ever lied about you or defamed your character? Whether it's at work or at school, whether it's, I don't know, your brother or your sister. Maybe it's your, you know, it's your friend of yours around the block. I don't know who it is who's hurt you with their words, but words do hurt. David's being attacked by people's words too. And sometimes the worst attack isn't coming from somebody else. Sometimes the worst attack is coming from ourselves. Sometimes the most hurtful words don't come from that person out there. Sometimes the most hurtful words come from me against me. As David is under attack... As he feels like everybody's trying to trap him, we see these glimpses of Christ. You see, Christ, Jesus Christ, is the new David. He, he mimics his life in so many ways. And it's just as the Pharisees were constantly setting traps for Christ Jesus, trying to bait him with words and bait him into saying something wrong, which he never fell for, you know, just so that they could stone him or kill him or, or, or put him up for murder. No, nothing would change the timing for Christ Jesus. But in the exact same way, David is attacked and they set traps for him, just trying to get him. And then we hear the answer, my heart is steadfast, oh God, my heart is steadfast. How did his heart get steadfast? Well he cried out earlier god will send his steadfast love god will send his faithfulness and god answered that prayer god answered that cry that when when david is crying out send god will send his steadfast love god will send his faithfulness he does and it's that and it's god's steadfast love and it's god's faithfulness that transforms david's heart so that now david can sing my heart is steadfast. My heart is steadfast and then he just breaks into praise. And he just like can't stop him. Like the he's singing the guitars are going and everything's happening. Woo! Woo! <laughs> That's what it says. My heart is steadfast. Oh God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O oh harp and lyre. Awake the dawn. This is like early service. This is like even earlier than the new break service. Not the nine o'clock service. This is like, this is like you know, sunrise service. This is like there's gonna be some worship happening here, and it's gonna be loud. There you go. And who gets all the glory, and who gets all the credit, and who gets all the thank yous? God, you got it. I will give thanks to you, O Lord. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Yahweh, Lord, our Heavenly Father. I will give thanks to you, O Lord. I'll sing your praises among the nations. Everybody's going to hear about it. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens. It is the greatest. You can't measure it. It's so great. Your faithfulness, you know, just is to the clouds. You just, you can't measure his faithfulness. Just over and over and over and over. It's God's steadfast love. It's God's faithfulness that transforms our lives, that transforms our hearts. So that our hearts can sing out his glory. And he closes with this praise. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. God is so good. I don't know who's chasing you down. I don't know where the attacks are coming from. The Lord's promised that if we're believers in Jesus Christ, we are going to be persecuted. There's going to be attacks. We just received a little attack phone call, you know, on, on the phone. They left a message for us telling us that we can't be going to the farmer's market, you know, talking about Jesus. There's going to be attacks. There's going to be attacks for us personally. People are going to say hurtful things. They're going to do hurtful things. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt by your family. And even on Father's Day, I'm sure that there are some of you here who have been hurt by your own dads. I know because I've done hurtful things to my kids. Not that I wanted to. And I've had to apologize countless times. We've been attacked by people around us. We attack even ourselves. But God is our refuge. He's the one we go to when we're being attacked, when we're feeling under attack by any of these things. We go to the Lord. We hide in His cave. We get wrapped up in Christ because He is our place of safety and security. In Christ, we have forgiveness. And as we cry out for steadfast love, God gives it. And his steadfast love and forgiveness transforms our hearts and lives so that we can glorify him every step of the way. Because Christ Jesus has done the work for us. We glorify him. Be exalted, oh God. And as God changes our lives and hearts, we can't help but praise Him. We can't help but tell others about Him. We can't help it because He is the one who saves us. Let's pray. Oh, God and Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for who you are and all that you've done for us. You are our Heavenly Father. We believe you. And Lord, I don't know why. When, when the attacks happen, I, we don't always go to you. I don't know why we shrink in amongst our, inside of ourselves rather than going straight to you. Lord, be our refuge. Lord, be our safe cave. Lord, lead us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake so that you get all of the glory, honor, and praise. We cry out to you, Lord, send your steadfast love. Lord, send your faithfulness to us because we know that you will. And as you do, you transform us. And you get all the glory, honor, and praise. It's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus, our Savior. Amen.